0: Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 32 of season two of This Osteopathic Life. Today, I'd like to extend the conversation from last week's episode, That was what is a DO. And what I'd like to expand upon from that discussion is the idea of speaking up, speaking loudly, speaking clearly, and speaking readily, speaking in a timely fashion about who we are, what we stand for, what we do, how we do it, why we do it, where it can be applicable, and When it is relevant. And it is most particularly relevant now. And I am speaking about osteopathic medicine, but I'm also speaking in general about the importance of noticing ourselves in any situation and acknowledging precisely who we are and how to own that and how to present it to the world effectively, consistently, and contribute to the beautiful tapestry we have in our regions, in our own personal communities, in our countries, and across the world. It has been an interesting unfolding over the past week, and a few common themes have emerged, and I see connections between all of them. And the one that came up most significantly, about which I felt compelled to speak in a group that I'm teaching currently, is on identity. And all the ways that we decide to say who we are. And that came up certainly in last week's episode. But it continues to emerge. And I had the great honor and opportunity to have my lecture presented virtually today at OMED, the largest gathering of osteopathic physicians for education and engagement, networking awards being given. And it's so fantastic to see many of my colleagues with whom I've had the honor and privilege to work recognized for their leadership skills. And the lecture that was presented was Power Beyond Touch. And I shared a bit about this with you last week. And in that lecture, and on those I have given over the past couple of years, the idea of identity has emerged over and over again. And what was so profound and beautifully shared with me today was how sometimes... We can forget ourselves, and that can happen for lots of reasons, and I'd like to go over a few of them with you today. One reason that can happen is we are so busy helping others, that we're so focused on what we can do for other people and what their problems might be and how we can be part of the solution, that we don't even see ourselves in that process. We see perhaps the work that we do. We see what needs to be done. We see connections that can be made. And we forget that we're a part of it. And that can be helpful sometimes to create some needed boundaries to allow us to work in a way that perhaps isn't as draining. But it can also mean that we shut down parts of ourselves and think we'll awaken them in other settings. But chances are they might stay dormant for much longer than we anticipated and maybe forever, indefinitely. And so what can it mean to remember who we are in a situation in which our role is defined by how we interact and engage with other people? And why is it important? And one reason it can be so important is because sometimes the challenges we have in interacting with others are actually a reflection of our failure or incapacity or forgetting of how to do that first with ourselves. And let me give you a few examples. One can be patience. We might feel frustrated and exhausted and impatient with others around us. And that could be personally or professionally. And oftentimes what's happened is we've forgotten how to be patient with ourselves because we've forgotten that we even should. And so what does it look like to take a moment and notice how we're first interacting with ourselves in any situation. And that can seem strange because you might think, well, I'm just myself. There's no interacting with me. I just am me. And while that can be true, it can be so important, helpful, and necessary to really notice yourself. And that might be in the way of a check in. How am I today? What am I feeling today? How is my energy level? What are my reserves? What am I willing to do? What am I able to do? What do I want to do? What do I choose to do? We might think, what do I have to do? We can always reframe that one. So, what does it look like if we first see ourselves in any situation? And in the medical profession, where the focus is generally outward, right? The high ground in medicine is best care for patients. But we can't eliminate ourselves from that equation. And it is an equation, which means there are two sides and there's an equal sign in the middle. And it doesn't mean that everything is exactly the same on either side. We can have equality made up of different numbers, different combinations of numbers on either side of the equation. That's the beautiful thing. There can be multiple variables. And in certain situations, we have to solve for one versus the other, but we can get to equality there can be balance while retaining some of that beauty and diversity on either side of that equation. But we can't neglect one side, right? We have to do the same thing to both sides in an equation, right? To follow algebraic principles. And so that must be true for ourselves. And so if we see ourselves on one side as the person providing care and Patients on the other side is a person receiving care and the same personal relationships, right? We're on one side of the equation and our loved ones may be on the other side. Our community might be on one side and we're on the other side. Our work might be on one side and we are on the other. And this isn't divisive, right? It's an equal sign between there's no greater than or less than that we're working with here. And so when I say on the other side, let's not think of it as divisive, but more explicit and demonstrative and being able to see ourselves and see where we are and see that we do have some different variables at play. But that if we're going to do something to an equation, we have to do it to both sides. And that starts with seeing ourselves. If we want to see the other person clearly, we need to do that for ourselves. If we want to know why someone isn't following the guidelines, the recommendations we have given them, let's check and see for ourselves. How are we following the guidelines we've given for ourselves? Are we true to our own values and directives and hopes and dreams? If we're lacking patience for someone else, check in and see. Well, what's my patience barometer for me? If we're feeling frustrated, same type of check-in. And in the times we're feeling more compassionate, that's an invitation as well to say, how am I doing with compassion for myself? And you will likely notice that it's better. It's easier to access. You are being compassionate with yourself. And when you are, it's easier to tap into that for the other person. And so we can look at this both ways. We can start on either side of that equation. Sometimes it's easier to do those things for other people than it is to do them for ourselves. And we can use that. That can be our example to ourselves of it is possible to be caring and thoughtful and provide time and be explanatory and patient and gracious for others. And so perhaps it can be for me too. And you could do the opposite. You can notice what you are able to do for yourself and how you can take that with you and say, well, it is possible to have a greater understanding for others because I'm able to do that for myself. And consider that and consider what you might have been omitting. And what I've noticed is that many times our identity is lost When we are among many people who look like us and sound like us and have common values and experiences, we almost forget who we are because it's just all around us. And there's the great uh, story, speech, David Foster Wallace, I believe, about water and how the fish don't even know what water is, right? Because it's just all around them. And sometimes it takes... Some differentiation. It takes someone calling it to our attention to even know or remember or realize for the first time, perhaps, who we are and what is distinct about us. And in osteopathic medicine, there is the existence of that naivety or ignorance or just simple forgetting, kind of complicity, complacency. And we're among a lot of osteopathic physicians, so that can happen in training programs, in hospitals that had an osteopathic origin, so the bulk of the physicians there were DOs in states with strong footholds, where it seems very clear that they're osteopathic physicians, and of course people would know what they are, and that they exist, and what that means, and if you're going to only osteopathic conferences. But when you step out of that, And people might notice for the first time those credentials behind your name and ask you because it is new to them. Or if you're in a practice where you're the only DO among MDs, you're called to speak your truth, your practice, your why, your how, your experience in a different way. And so sometimes that delineation is actually made possible by not being always in that same space. And that will come to pass more and more frequently as we are in the single accreditation system with the postgraduate training programs. And it will come to fruition when DOs begin to expand where they are across the country. And we see this as schools are being built in places that had historically very few osteopathic physicians. And that can be challenging, certainly. But it can also be a grand opportunity, an invitation to speak your truth and to say who you are and to offer to people the differences. And I encourage those who are in this setting, or even though they're the minority nationally, they might be the majority or it might be quite common where they are to remember that. And so even though it might seem like a given or it might not even be noticeable because everyone's a DO, think about even in that setting. Why it's still important to know who you are and to identify those unique characteristics of your training, your philosophy, your practice, and how you can offer that thoughtfully, even in a setting where it seems like a moot point that everyone just knows. So why would I talk about it further? But perhaps it lends itself to conversation and saying, what do you notice about your physician experience, even if what that person has only ever known is the experience of being cared for by an osteopathic physician. They could still share what that experience is based on what they have seen, felt, heard, known with you. And that is you as an osteopathic physician. Similarly, if you are in that space or you maybe have transitioned to a space where you are the minority both nationally on that level, and locally. Notice if you can stand in that space and speak clearly on who and how you are, not apologetically. It could just be demonstratively demonstratively and instructionally, or it could be inspirationally and with pride and passion. You can decide where you are on that spectrum of feeling around the osteopathic identity and decide how to present it But do consider presenting it and consider perhaps in your community. If your practice is high concentration of osteopathic physicians, maybe it's speaking in a different way to a different group. And in this time, maybe it is virtually. We do have broadened connections with one another. And so perhaps it's an invitation to step out of that group that might be actually an echo chamber of sorts and say who you are on a broader scale. And if we're gonna take that out of the osteopathic realm, look at that also in any situation where you might be in the minority. And remember that less frequently known, experienced, less populated, least common, doesn't mean less than. It might mean a smaller number But as far as quality, as far as equality, as far as equity, that doesn't have to be the case. And there can be that sense of needing to prove oneself because of history, of culture, of expectations, of socialization, and what is just seen as, well, this is the most common, so that's normal, that's desired, that's acceptable, that's legitimate, and we have to aspire to match that. But remember, we can come back to that equation model. And if there is equality there, we can keep our different variables on either side. And remember to own those things which do make you distinct and unique. And that may be inherently. That may be electively. But you can still own them and speak to them and state them clearly and present them to the world And you'll notice that more when you step out of the space and you leave that area in which, while you might be the minority on a larger scale in your local community, you were the majority or you were amongst those who looked like you, had similar experiences to you, when you step out of that, right? That is when we do have to become more conscious and conscientious about how we seek to present ourselves to the world, not to prove anything, but out of choice, Not to earn worthiness, because that is 100% intact no matter what, but so that you can be in charge and in control and own the power by taking the responsibility of speaking your identity to the world. And that could be in words. That could be in actions. That could be in words written or spoken. That could be in relationships developed. That could be in the roles that you take on. But we do have the responsibility, and that can seem heavy. But remember, when we keep responsibility over that which we truly can control and speaking our truth and stating clearly how we identify ourselves and owning our unique and valuable and distinct characteristics and experiences and offerings and presence to the world is a powerful place to be. And when it loses its power is when we are expecting some particular reaction from the world around us. And let me be very clear. It is totally appropriate to expect equal rights and fair treatment and opportunities that are appropriate and recompense that matches, right? The work done and can atone for past grievances. I'm not saying to relinquish that. But there's a difference between seeking and demanding even all those appropriate measures. And they can be interpersonally, they can be legally, judicially, there can be a call for that certainly. But there's also a difference in not seeking external approval from others and instead owning our authentic selves and knowing our immutable worthiness Hundred percent, no question, nothing to add to it or deplete it. So no one has to say, Yes, I endorse you as fully human here, as full rights as a physician, as any of those things. But we endorse ourselves as that hundred percent worthy. And then we show up as a hundred percent ourselves. And that's not an easy task. It can be simple, but it's hard. But it's doable. And so when we show up in that way, immutably worthy, confident in ourselves, clear and grateful and appreciative and approving of ourselves so that we can show up with a distinct dialogue around our values and our offerings and our who, what, when, where, why, and how of self, Not expecting anyone to have any particular reaction other than perhaps to hear it. And any reaction is possible. We see that currently, right? People can do whatever they want with what we present to them. But if we are unflappable and we are not swayed by their approval or disapproval or even just neutrality, perhaps, we show up very differently and we still can demand those things that some total carry equality and fairness absolutely and we must and we will much more effectively from that space clear is kind and clarity is powerful and so when we do that it really will change the way we engage and interact with the world and While we're not doing that directly, people will respond to it differently. When we are not ambiguous about who and how we are, there's less question. And we are less swayed by challenges. Well, why are you that way? Why aren't you this way? Why don't you match the majority? Why would you choose that? Did you not get into that school? Why do you live here? Where are you really from? All those questions that come to us hit A much stronger boundary and they don't necessarily take root when we know beyond a shadow of a doubt who we are and we present it unapologetically, not forcefully necessarily, but simply clearly taking responsibility to be the ambassadors of ourselves to the world and noticing that our power is enormous when we do that. And so imagine a world in which we get clear on who and how we are personally, professionally, when we unconditionally love ourselves for who and how we are, when we have crafted some clear messaging. And that can be on many levels, right? Words, actions, body language, presentation, relationships. And we show up in the world 100% worthy and certain of ourselves, just imagine for a minute how that would feel. How it would feel to be yourself showing up in that way. How it would feel to receive that from someone. And you can think of people in your life who show up this way, who are clear on their own worthiness and aren't dependent on the approval of others, who know what it is that they stand for and what they're willing to do and what they're not willing to do. And when they show up that way, you can feel how you receive them. And sometimes it can seem challenging. Sometimes it can seem like they aren't going to compromise and maybe they're not easygoing enough. But ultimately, you notice. Oh, well, I know exactly what to expect from them. And I am also charged to know where I stand. And while that can be difficult at the onset... That's actually such a positive, powerful ripple effect to see that example and then to say, oh, okay, well, I, maybe I need to get clear, right? That might be the first instinct is I better get clear on who I am. Or you might think, ooh, I I like how that is. And that seems tough, but I'm willing to give it a go because man, they have a totally different presence and energy and they're in their own power, right? They have taken their power back. And we've talked about that in multiple episodes, And so it mirrors to the other person. Maybe I could do that too. Maybe I can get clear on who I am. And maybe I don't need approval from these other people. Maybe I can choose to show up fully myself. Imagine that. And they might try it. And they might try it with you because they recognize where your boundaries are. And they know that what they say to you isn't going to tear you down and you're not dependent on them to build you up. And so they can come to you and say, I think this is who I am and I'm pretty sure I'm worthy and I think I feel okay stepping out into the world like this. And then we can begin to build our confidence around that when we see that nothing terrible is happening here. And when more and more of us do that, anyone who is going to challenge us and threaten us is going to be met with this resilient person. And here's a space I will use the word resilient because we are not adapting ourselves to the broken system any longer. We're simply saying we're not tolerating it. We're not tolerating these questions that call who we are into concern, into belittling, into diminishing. We hear you and the answer is no, this is who I am because it's who I am. And unapologetically, And you might think, well, that could be dangerous because there are people who are acting this way and doing very dangerous things unapologetically. But I'm talking about authenticity that is true to those core human values. And I do believe, because I do hold the oneness of humanity and the power for for self-healing that we all do have, that if we took a moment and actually got down to those core values, we wouldn't do the hateful things that we're doing. And the people who are doing those are certainly not operating out of the idea that they are 100% worthy or that they can show up as exactly who they are and not seek external approval. The people who are doing these things are very much seeking external approval and seeking to identify themselves through the perceptions of others and do not believe they are worthy and they are trying to earn it by likening themselves to people they think have power and diminishing, threatening those that they think they possibly could have more power than in order to elevate themselves. And so they have not done this work and they are not going to be the first ones to do this work. But those of us who are aware and do have good intentions and have the capacity to see that worthiness at 100%, And to know that our power actually comes when we take responsibility for ourselves and not when we look for it outside of us that we can go and grab and buy and manipulate and coerce ourselves into, it really is going to change. And we really will be truly resilient in the way that that word was meant to be used and that concept was meant to be enacted. And so when we do that, the energy is going to shift. Things will change because we are changing. And systems will no longer have the vulnerable hosts where their toxic, infectious cultures can take up home and multiply and spread, right? It just can't happen. And I'm not suggesting that this could change in a day, although the turnaround time could be pretty quick. If we get to this on a large enough scale, and it's entirely possible, this is totally accessible to you in the moment. You have to keep doing it. So just like we've talked about health, not having a tenure track, we don't just get healthy and stay there. Right? It's consistent work. We keep sleeping and eating and exercising and connecting with other humans And getting fresh air, right? There are all the things that go into keeping our health going, but we can get there and we can see it. And when we do that in mass, it will shift the culture and the happenings around us. And so I entitled this podcast, Speak Now. And I opened with the idea that we are going to speak clearly and loudly and proudly and in collective and frequently and in opportune situations and perhaps in unexpected groups, perhaps in circles in which we haven't engaged previously, we're going to speak now. And we have to start that speaking to ourselves, right? This began with us requiring seeing ourselves in any situation. It began with treating ourselves as we would others, It began with remembering the power of the equation and the capacity for different variables on either side and how we can use one to solve for the other, but how we need to do the same thing to both sides of the equation if we're going to follow those principles and looking for those things that we do well for others that we can apply to ourselves, looking at those things that we do apply to ourselves and seeing how that could actually help us be more compassionate toward others, and calling us to the true process of identity. And while there's importance in delineation and distinction and seeing that beautiful uniqueness, right, just like our fingerprints, it also calls us to see that we all have fingerprints and we all have commonalities. And there is that oneness of humanity and identity through connection is where we're going to find the truest power. And that doesn't require us to compromise who we are or to adapt to toxic environments that challenge our allostatic capacity and compromise our health and well-being. But it calls us to see the other side of that equation and to know that all of humanity is encompassed in that equation. And... We have the power when we're making the change and when we're speaking clearly ourselves to mirror that, right? To offer that to the other side and not the other side that's above or below, but simply the other side that is through that equal sign, right? That is with us here in the human experience. And it's not easy, but it's pretty simple when we get down to those core principles of humanity, of healing, of connection of body, mind, and spirit, and of the common unity. That is what community says. And when we come from that space and we're willing to speak, we will be the change we wish to see in the world. We are then for the health of all things. And this is entirely possible. And I encourage you To consider your own personal mission statements. I encourage you to pause for a moment and practice saying, I'm 100% worthy. Not to be diminished, cannot be added to. I don't require approval from anyone outside of myself. I can grant myself 100% approval in this moment. I can say clearly who I am to the world. Without apology or fear. And I'm going to invite my fellow brothers and sisters to do this with me. And when we do, we're going to show up in a way that the world has never seen. And we're going to show up in a way that is fueled by love and compassion because we have given it unconditionally to ourselves. And we're going to keep doing this on a regular basis. This is a daily practice but the more we do it the more consistent we are the easier it becomes the more automatic it becomes and the stronger the call to action to all of those around us can be and i here offer to you my willingness and readiness to do this i note that there are going to be ebbs and flows i'm not going to get it right every time but that i'm willing try and in so doing i'm going to remember each and every time my place in that equation and that what i'm doing to me i'm doing to my fellow humans and i want that to come from a place of love and compassion and i invite you to do the same thank you for taking this time with me this is dr amelia Beaky with this osteopathic life